Amen. Switch over to your blue book, page 216. 216.
will you meet me over yonder? I'm hoping one day that uh, there will be, as we've sung many times, that great glad reunion. More folks in heaven than we realize, but not as many as the Lord would want. You think about that. God was willing that none should perish. But we know that there's more that will uh, than that won't. But there's many over in heaven. I, I'm glad to know when I get to heaven, I will not be a stranger, nor will I meet a stranger. You think about that, we'll all know as we're known. Uh, and, and we'll be good to go there. Uh, remember Brother Don, he had cataract surgery on Tuesday uh, continue to remember Sister Mary, continue to remember uh, Sister Jean, uh, Brother Bill and Sister Joanne, Sister Donna Fay, uh, remember her, remember the Robertson family, uh, remember Brother Lloyd in your prayers uh, as well, and uh, just lift him up, and then uh, also remember uh, uh, Brother Carl Chester's family. Who passed away as well. Any others this morning you want to call by name? Remember that. And also continue to remember Sister Rhonda Collins. Anybody else? All right. Unspoken. If you would stand with us this morning, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Ushers come. Father, this morning we thank you, Lord, for your love and mercy. We thank you, dear God, for your blessings. Thanking you, Father, for the opportunity, Lord, to be in your house and for each one who's here. Lord, I ask you this morning that you would just anoint and touch, Father, each and every need you know according to your will, your plan, and your purpose. God, we pray that you'd bring comfort to the hearts that are, are sorrowed this morning. God, bring healing to those that are sick and afflicted. Dear God, we pray, Lord, this morning, spiritual healing for those that are lost and backslidden. Dear God, we ask you today that you just draw us closer to you and one to another. God, we ask you this morning, bless the offering, let it be used for thy glory, for thine honor and thy praise. And we give you glory, honor, and praise in the blessed name of Christ Jesus. And amen. Amen.
Seed. We're going to sing It Could Happen in a Moment, uh, but we'll change that to It Will. It will happen in a moment. The Bible says in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. It will happen in a moment.
Anybody have a special this morning? Anybody with a testimony? Amen. Anybody else? Got your Bibles this morning? Go to the book of Luke, the 24th chapter. Luke chapter 24. If you would stand this morning, we'll read in the Word of God. I'll read one verse to you this morning, verse 49. Verse 49 of Luke chapter 24 says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Father, this morning I thank you, Lord, and I love you, dear God. I pray, Father, that you would just anoint and touch and have your way, Father, in the service today. Dear God, I pray, Father, for each and every one who's here. We pray, Lord, that your will would be accomplished and done in our lives. Father, I ask you, Lord, this morning that you would allow the word to have its way. Father, may it seek into our heart. Lord, Father, do the purpose and the plan and the will that you have for it so that our lives will be what you'd have them to be. And we'll thank you, Father. We'll praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. And amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Get that green light on. Sorry. had a few different thoughts this morning. I thought earlier this week we would preach on love. Then last night thought we would preach on continuing. But this morning, I guess I'd like to preach on being dude. Having it in you. You and I need to have the Spirit of God in our lives. We need to have the Word of God in our lives. We need to have it real, not make-believe. Have it meaningful, not meaningless. And have it powerful, not powerless. It needs to be able to work and cause you and I to move, to make us more, not less, make us stronger, not weaker, more determined, not giving up. If you think about where we are today, and I will say this, where, where we are, where I am, 
I was on the way down here this morning, and, and I didn't put the figures together, but I kind of started thinking about it a little bit. How many hours in, in a year that we work, given work week is, or work hour is uh, 2,080 hours a year? How many hours a year do we labor for things that we want versus the things that we need? I just was thinking 16 hours, 17 hours a month to pay for my truck, maybe 20 hours when you add car insurance and everything to it, another 20 or so to pay for my house. That's already one week of the month gone. For two things in my life. Things, mind you. Things. Then you go on and you begin to think about things that other things like paying the utility bills. You know, we, we do enjoy electricity. I do. I'll be honest with you. I like to have lights, I like to have heat, and I like to have easy heat. You know, just turn the thermostat one way or the other. I like to be cooled down one way or the other. We pay for our water bill. How many hours a month for utilities that you work? And then might as well get mad about it, right? How many hours do you work to pay your taxes? If you're still working to pay taxes, I'm just going to be honest with you. It stinks. I got to thinking about it, out of the 2,080 hours a, 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 a year, over 400 hours to pay my taxes. That just doesn't seem fair. But I'm going to tell you, when I get to be your, to the retirement age and you're my age still working, I'm going to look at you and say, keep going. I want my Social Security. I want my benefits coming. You just keep working, right? But we spend all of these hours, out of 2,080 work hours, we spend all of these hours paying for things that either we are required to or that we want to. So now let's put those away. And I don't know how many hours are in the year, and I don't know how many hours are left over, but I wonder how many hours we invest in serving God. What empowers you? What gets in you? You think about people who work hours and hours and hours, overtime hours, to get the things they want. Not things that they got to have, but things they want. Seemingly unconcerned about God. I thought about how many hours we spend in church. Now I just told you that it takes me 16 hours, 17 hours a week to throw in the insurance for the truck, the car, 20 hours or more a, a week to pay for that 
one week and then the next week and then the remaining part of that to pay other things and then the next week to pay for some more things and you get mad and you start thinking about the taxes you got to pay. But my truck one day will either break down or burn up, depending on what God does. My car will do the same. My house will do the same. My eternity, though, will remain either in heaven or hell. We labor, the Bible says, for that which is not bread. And it's not talking about the bread of the, you know, the loaf of bread you go to the store on. It's talking about the bread of life. We, we labor for that which hath no profit. There, there is no profit in owning your home. You still have to pay taxes on it. And you'll still pay insurance on it. I mean, after all, if it does burn down, you'd like to have it rebuilt, right? If the tornado blows it away, you'd like to have it rebuilt. You, you, you know, you pay taxes on your cars no matter how long you've had them paid off. They, they still taxes on them. I, I pay taxes. They call it personal property taxes. And, and I have yet to figure out how I have any personal property if they keep taxing it. Doesn't belong to me if they keep taxing it. Because as soon as I stop paying the taxes, my personal property becomes theirs. And they take it. Think about it just for a second, church. We labor and we wait and we want and we don't get it. But the Lord promised us something that was greater than any physical thing you could have in your life. When he was talking to the disciples and he's talking to them, he's sharing with them who he is, what he's going to go through. And again, this is at the end when they're not even really recognizing him and then he begins to expound and open their eyes. They realize who he is and he gets down to the inside of this and, and in Luke he says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Now this is the presence, the coming, the anointing, the receiving of the Holy Ghost in our lives. And don't be afraid to say Holy Ghost. It doesn't mean you have to act in a different way as far as you've got to be jumping up and down the pews and running yourself into the wall. And by the way, I never had the Holy Ghost once tell me to run headlong into a concrete wall. But it does mean you will act differently for the Lord you'll begin to realize that there's something far greater and far more important in life than your cars, your home, even your clothing. And, and I mean, this is, there's something more important than anything you can lay your hand on right now. There's something greater, and that is the presence of God in your life and one day spending an eternity in the presence of God. So he said that he sent the promise of the Father, but tarry ye here, or tarry in the city of Jerusalem, until ye be endued with power from on high. I heard the preacher preaching. He was talking about the Apostle Paul. 
really began to convict my soul, kind of began to burden me to think about Paul laboring all of his life, doing everything that he'd been doing up until a certain point in time in life. And, and he, was, he had it laid before him. He was wise. He, he would have money. I mean, Paul, he, he's, I mean, he is a Jew among the Jews. He, he's up there. And then one day Paul meets Jesus and says, Everything I have I count but lost for the cause of Christ. Everything I've got is but dumb that I may win Christ. Having left it all behind so that I can go and win Christ. And Paul wasn't talking about winning Christ for himself. He was talking about winning you and I to Christ. Showing us how to live for Jesus. I, and, and it's not, it's, it's, it's really one of those deals when you stop to think about the Apostle Paul in his life and what had happened to him and how it changed and transformed everything that he was doing. It turned him upside down. Literally. You think about it. In the book of Acts, the first chapter, look at what it says here. In verse 4, it says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. Now think about this is Jesus. It says, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. Refer back to Luke. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from hence. And when they therefore were come together, asked, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou, thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own hand or his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, in Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Can I tell you that God moves when we are in accordance with God? Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name. And by the way, that doesn't mean we just come together and say, well, you know what? I'm here for Jesus. Gathered in the purpose, the reason, the whole, the whole kitten caboodle, we would say. The, the, the reason we come here today is we come here for Jesus. No other reason. Jesus. He's it. He's everything. It's all about Jesus. By the way, let me just say this to you this morning. When we gather in the right way, 
in the right name, things do happen. It doesn't go without notice that things do happen. It's one of those deals that when you realize the purpose and the reason for being where you're at is because of what God wants to do, what God can do, what God will do, and you gather only because of God, then church, things happen in your life and in my life. There are things I know for a fact this morning that we could receive or have or do if we'll set aside everything else and just focus on God. So as the day of day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with all, were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And by the way, look at what is said. Other tongues. These are languages in which is known. How do you know that, Brother Arnie? It didn't say in mysterious tongues. Other tongues. And so they began to speak. Look what he said there. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem devout men out of every nation under heaven. And when the noise was abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Verse 7. And they were amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all of these that speak? Galileans? You say, Brother Arnie, why do you go that far? Listen to me. And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? And then it lists all the places that they came from. And it said they were amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking them said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up in the midst of the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, seeing, but it is the third hour of the day. But this is which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And Joel said that the God would pour out his spirit. And listen to me carefully. They preached the gospel so that every man there heard. Now I will say it this way. I, don't, I cannot speak or preach in Spanish. I cannot do it in Laos. But if God so chose this morning for Sister uh, Kenya to hear me preaching and it be translated directly to Spanish in her ear, that's what God could do. And Sister Nim and Sister they, they would all be able to hear in Lao. That's exactly what God can do. God can take me speaking this way, make it everything that way, so that they don't have to have anything else going on. But what I'm telling you is this. The children, uh, the apostles were gathered together in the upper room. All of them there had one thing in mind. They just wanted to do what God wanted them to do. They wanted to be pleasing 
unto the Father. They wanted to be pleasing and obedient unto Jesus. And he moved like he had never moved before, so to say, in that day and hour. These was people who never had heard the gospel, heard the gospel, because 11 men, 12 we say, 11 men stood up and began to talk to them, and they all began to hear. Then one man stands up, Peter, and he says, listen. In every language there heard what Peter said. Why? They were endured with power from on high. The Holy Ghost didn't just come there and lay around. If you look at your scripture, it moved them. It made them do something. They were reacting differently. They were in one mind, in one accord. We can read through the scriptures here how that they continued. If you jump over to verse 46 of the same chapter, and it says, And they continued daily with one accord in the temple. Come to the house of God expecting things to be done. They were of one mindset. God, let your will be done. And, and it wasn't something that happened to them in the morning and then maybe in the evening. It was continuing. It was something that had affected their life and was continuing to affect their life. It was going on and on and on. As I said, for the next whatever years, I don't know how long I owe on my home. I'll have to get up and calculate how many hours of work I'll have to do every week in order to pay my home haul, how many hours of work to pay my uh, truck off, how many hours to keep my lot bill and, and all that pay, how many hours for my insurance, how many hours for my clothes, how many, whatever you go, and you go through there and look at it. But the truth of the matter is, one of these days, all of that's gone. And then the question will be, how many hours for the Lord? If you go to church every Sunday, morning, evening, and you attend Wednesday night. And let's say that that all boils down to four hours. That means 200 hours a year dedicated to God. Wednesday nights typically run 30 to 45 minutes. I try to Keep it down there. Sister Donna Fay has to sit and listen to me on the phone. So I, I try not to be too hard on Sister Donna Fay because I used to go the whole hour. The whole hour she. Sunday mornings we get here. Sometimes we get here late. Sometimes we get here on time. We get here. Sometimes we stay late. Sometimes we get out on time. So let's just say two hours a week. You spend two hours a week. That's 104 hours a year if you come only on Sunday morning for both Sunday school and worship service. Two hundred and eight hours if you come to every service or you attend somehow. And that's if that's if I was to go a whole hour on Wednesday. So we're spending hundreds and hundreds of hours getting the things we want. Thousands, so to say, 
just a few with the Lord. And we wonder why the church is where it is. We wonder why things are the way they are. I was thinking as as I'm thinking on these thoughts and and, and listening to the preacher preach, and, and I'm just getting convicted. He made a couple of statements. He talked about prayer and school and the Bible and schooling. Boy, when they took prayer and the Bible out of school, it fell apart. But can I tell you, it didn't fall apart because they took prayer and Bible out of school. It fell apart because it went out of home too much. Some of the time, that was the only place a child heard the Bible or was led in prayer. And so it went out of the home. It didn't get out of the school before it got out of the home. It got out of the home before it went out of the school. Had it still been in the home, they would have never got out of the school. I'm here to tell you, church. It's one of those deals when you stop to think about the realities of what's going on. The Bible and prayer left us before it left any place that it was in. It had to be removed from the person before the person would remove it from the place. The power left not because God had changed, but because we no longer wanted the power of God in our lives. We no longer seen what they saw. It was no longer about being of one mind and one accord, which was not all of them sitting together focusing on what they were going to have for lunch. It was about sitting there waiting for the moving of God to come down and touch them and send them forth to be who they needed to be for the Lord. You shall receive power. In chapter 2, they received power. What changed Paul so much? Look at what he says in chapter 9 of the book of Acts. And Saul, verse 1, Saul yet breathing out threatening and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus so to the synagogue that if they if, if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound in Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a great uh, a light from heaven. And he fell on the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? We, we talk about the next part of it, and he said, Who art thou, Lord? And, he, and the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Is it hard for thee to kick against the pricks? And we talk about that. But look at what Jesus said. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Do you realize that if you are a child of God today, and Jesus Christ is alive and well in your life through the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost, that when somebody comes against you, when the devil comes against you, they're not coming against you. It's just like Jesus said. He said, they hated me before they hated you. So if they're picking on you, they're really picking on me. And it said there, he said, why dost thou persecute me, Saul? Saul could have said, I'm not persecuting you, Jesus. 
I'm after all those folks out there who believe in you. Jesus would have looked at him. I said, the, the spirit, however you want to look at it, I think he'd have said plainly, but that's me. So when you and I are playing games, when we're not living the way we should, when we're spending more hours on what we want instead of what we need, we're not doing anything to one another. We're doing it to him. We're fighting against Jesus. We're rebelling against Jesus. We, we think, hey, it, it doesn't matter if I don't show up for church. It, hey, I, it's just the pastor, and, you know, there's some folks there, and, and there ain't very many anyway, so nobody's going to worry about it. Nobody's going to miss me. Yes, yes, that's, that's exactly wrong. I do worry about it. We do miss him. But more importantly, Jesus misses him. When we don't get on our knees and pray and we don't get on and, and read our Bible, then, then it's not that I'm cheating myself necessarily as much as I'm cheating God the opportunity to talk to me, to stir me, to strengthen me, to empower me, to, to do something with me outside of just see that I'm here every day. When I wake up, God sees me. When I go to sleep, God sees me. But you know what? When I am active in the Word, when I'm active in prayer, I can see God. I can hear Him. Paul recounts his story again in the book of Acts in the 26th chapter. What happens to Paul does something, though. Jump over to Romans chapter 1. See, the, we, we think about Paul because of how many Bible books he wrote in the New Testament. We think about how many letters he wrote. And, and, and you know, we, we think about how Paul talks about, you know, the, how rich he was and then how poor he was. And he knew how to be this and knew how to be that and everything. But listen to me. What Paul was really about was making sure that you and I understood who God was, who Christ was, who the Holy Ghost was, what the Spirit of God in our lives could do, what the church should actually be about and what the church should actually be doing. Hey, church, listen, are we concerned or are we just getting along? You know, I preached a funeral message Friday. I preached on the love of God. Because before he passed away, Melvin said love is a big word. All the family kept trying to He said love is a big word. I looked up the word love. In every form that is found in the King James Bible, 555 times. Number five means something, church. Now you find it 555 times. 500, I didn't go through and separate it all out. But can I tell you that God spent the Old Testament and part of the New Testament telling you and I that we need to love him with everything we've got. And then he tells you and I in some of the Old Testament and a whole lot in the New Testament how much that he loves us.
but do we return the love? Is it meaningful in our lives? Is there power in our lives? Now, something popped up this morning, and I wasn't going to share it because I was embarrassed, but I, I'll share it anyways. Because it doesn't calculate other things, but but there was a thing that popped up on my um, computer, I guess. Said I had 15 minutes of screen time per day. Well, add it all up, don't mean much. I had 15 minutes of screen time, and that was that's just for my study on that one there. Had some more in my phone for some study, some more in prayer. Don't get it all up there, but I got thinking about it. Really, even if it had popped up and said you spend an hour a day, it just that wouldn't have meant a whole lot. Probably combined it all together, and I might average out about forty-five minutes. That's pretty embarrassing. be honest with you, that's embarrassing. 45 minutes with God and you expect God to do something? Somebody would say, well, Brother Ernie, it's not quantity, it's quality. Well, if it was quality, it would end up being some quantity. Because I don't know how you can have a good conversation with God and it not last very long. I don't understand how you can get into reading your Bible and have a good reading going on and it not last very long. I don't understand how you can get down and really start praying and have a good prayer going on and it not last very long. Somebody would say, well, that was pretty good, Brother Hardy. You did better than me. Well, I wouldn't pat you on the back. I wouldn't pat me on the back. The reason the absence of power of God is absence from our lives, from our church, from our homes. It, and, and I thought about this. The absence didn't occur from the church, which then trickled down to the home, which trickled down then to us, because I mean, after all the house ain't going right, why should I? It started in the absence that it left us. You and I make up the home. You and I make up the church. When we get together, if we've been in one accord and one mind with the Lord through the week, we'll come together in one mind and one accord in the house of God and we'll see things. I don't know about you, but there's been lost people in our church who didn't get saved because there was no power in the church. Therefore, no conviction. You say, well, how can they come to the house of God? How can they read the Bible and at least, hey, listen to me. It's got to be real in us before it appears real to them. There's a lot of fakes in the world today. I, I, I just think about these. Benny Hinn disgusts me. Acts like he's all holy and power, could walk on water, wears white from head to toe. And thousands of people follow him, millions. They give him money and all this stuff so he can go out there and be the lion dog that he is. 
Oh, Brother Arnie, you can't listen to me. He is. The biggest church in the United States of America, I believe they said belongs to Joel Osteen as far as a single congregation or one of the biggest, and he's a liar and a thief and a deceiver. He says that you can go to heaven. You know, Hindus and Muslims, they don't believe the way we do, but, but who's to say that they're not going to make it to heaven? Well, brother, or lack thereof, I would say, if they go on where you're going, I praise God I'm not. Because I ain't going where the Hindus are. And I ain't going where the Muslims are. You kill yourself if you want to. Think you're going to get 75 virgins or whatever it is when you get to heaven. Hey, the Bible tells me there's neither marriage nor giving in marriage and there sure ain't fornication. But there ain't no power in church when the church ain't right with God. The apostle Paul, he said this. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. By the way, that is this ear word of God. And, and can I tell you, it better be, why do you say it all the time, Brother Arnie? Because listen, you may read a King James Version, but half the time we live like an enemy. You know, IV doesn't say the rest of what's going to be said. They say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Well, my King James Bible says of Christ. Why? This word is powerful. You don't believe me? Look at what it says over in the book of Hebrews. I believe the fourth chapter. Twelfth verse. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. These people do draw nigh to me, but their hearts are far from me. So he said, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And I'm here to tell you that when the apostle Paul got converted over to being a Christian, when he went from being Saul to Paul, the word of God got in him. And when it got in him, it changed him. It empowered him. It made him different, church. I'm here to tell you, I believe the apostle Paul wrote so much because he listened and prayed so hard. And you and I today, we blame the world for what's going on. We blame the outside for what's happening on the inside. Well, you know what? If they would just... Well, if all but those who profess to be Christians would actually be Christians, they wouldn't be a bar in town. No. Liquor stores would shut up. Marijuana wouldn't be an issue. Barbiturates would not be a problem. 
prostitution would not be running rampant. Sex traffickers would not get the rights of children, let alone to grown men. If the power of God was real in the church today, and, in the, and, and everything was what it was supposed to be, can I tell you this morning, divorces would not be happening. Homosexuals would not occupy the pulpit. Wouldn't they? Wedlock would be a standard, not a possibility. were the disciples accused of turning the world upside down? Because they taught Jesus. They taught the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But not did they teach it. The Bible says also they lived it. They lived it. And when they got persecuted for living it, they lived it better. They lived it stronger. They didn't get quiet. They got loud. They said, sit down and shut up. So they stood up and spoke up. Don't go to the temple. So they went to the temple. Daniel was told, don't you go pray to God like you've been doing. You go talk to the king. So Daniel went up, just like the Bible says, a poor time, opened up the window and toward Jerusalem, and he knelt down and he prayed just as he always had done. But I think that day he might have prayed just a little bit louder. Can't prove it, but it makes sense to me. The Bible tells us in the book of the Psalms in 29th chapter and verse 4, it says, The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. There's your voice. I just read it to you. The word of God is quick and powerful. And it's majestic too. Man keeps trying to make it sound like them. Oh, we got to rewrite the Bible because we don't talk about the, you know, those, those words don't mean the same. 
Oh, let me tell you something. When you change the word meaning, you don't change anything God said. just like somebody driving down the road you've heard this oh that was wicked and they meant good still sounds wicked to me that's bad you stop to think about it this morning church something happened I guess maybe what really triggered a lot of this in me God convicted me preacher been preaching for a little bit and had some stops he said you folks and I don't know where they're at he goes you folks move over that way there then he said we got people coming in the gospel I'm going to tell you something you get a chance to listen to Leonard Ravenhill he'll say stuff that will make you mad I thought Lord I need to be a better person to say stuff that make you mad but not, not because I want you mad but because what's being said can be That's what happened to me. And it, and it wasn't this Sunday. Oh, yeah, it convicted me this Sunday, but it was last Sunday, too. It was a few nights through the week. It was the week before that. And the more I hear a man of God preach who spends time in the Word, spends time in prayer, and, and really talks about how dedicated we ought to be to God, and talks not just... I mean, he's telling the church, you messed up. Lord, more convicted I felt. We'll never get to where God wants us to be if we work for ourselves more than we work for him. Father, this morning, I praise you for telling me the truth. I praise you for convicting me. And thank you, God. Let me realize how unable I am but God then being faithful to enabling me or for 
forgiving me and in helping me. And God allowing me that I can come to these folks whom you love, whom you gave me a love for. love me and tell them the truth Lord we can be more than what we are when we allow you to be more than who you are right now to us Truly the change starts in us. For you need not to change. So I pray, Father, this morning, help me. Help us. serve you better. We can love you better. May God reveal to see you better. We ask you, Lord, these things today in the precious name of Christ. like to come